Welcome to episode one. Nice uh, Friars in the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Is this the Estuary Ruiz episode? Dude, ride like the wind, baby. Ride like the wind. Oh, um, man. What a surprising turn of events. It is. You know, these past couple of days have been so kind of weird with, you know, with, with hearings on the Tashi squad. Um, the, 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 the call it pod guy put it out there. And um, then it's like, oh, you know, that's not really the truth. Um, ended up, it was the truth. And then later on on Twitter today, I was like, okay, everyone's like, let's, let's F and go. S Ruiz. I'm like, dude, he isn't like, they haven't announced it. They haven't purchased, like, they haven't said anything. And then just before I came on here, uh, I looked on Twitter again. People were like, LFG, let's go. Then I looked at the lineup. I'm like, holy shit. I'm part of my language. Yeah. Like, holy cow. He's, and he's leading, uh, not leading up, but you know, I think the MLB first thing debut. I saw was that Jeff Sanders said that Bob Melvin said that Ruiz was in the okay. lineup. And I'm like, wait, there hasn't even been a transaction yet. What does yeah. this mean? And then I saw that Brett Rooker was option. Somebody said that. And I had to look at the Padres transaction site to see that, uh, um, um, uh, Robert room, right? Robert, um, Suarez was put on the 60 day IL. Okay. He had that knee procedure. It was supposed to be some little cleanup. He's only going to miss a few weeks. Well, now he's missing 60 days um, to make room for Estuary Ruiz. So welcome to the major leagues, Estuary Ruiz. Estuary Ruiz. Yes, the Ruiz. Ride like the wind, brother. Now, yeah. I, I, before we get going here and, you know, donning him the next, uh, you know, Ricky Henderson or, uh, I don't know, Alfonso Soriano in the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. I want to temper expectations like we have these high expectations and I live and die with this team because I have such high expectations. And when like last night, I'm like tweeting like, here it is. We're going to lose this game. I almost tweeted earlier, even after, um, you know, even after CJ hit the home run, I'm like, we're still, you know, we've lost 10 in a row. Like we're going to lose this game. Yeah. Just, you were Mr. Doom and gloom last night. What was the deal I was with part that? Of the doom scroll? <laughs> yeah, you were. It, I, but I, that's that's where my head has been my whole. I mean, the Padres have done that for us. And certainly recently, um, you know, we have not been performing. The, the team hasn't been performing. Sorry, I'm not on the Padres. Um, they haven't been performing to, you know, expectations and certainly have been sputtering. So when they started coming back, um, you know, it was like, here we go again. Well, okay. So you mentioned something about tempering expectations and there there is reason for that with Ruiz. So he took off with this crazy hot start in double A earned a promotion to AAA and just kept on blistering. But then he kind of fell off. And so I'm I'm trying to pull it up on, on baseball reference now, just to see how far back it makes sense to go. So the last 19 games, he's batting 227 with a 390 on on base, which is great, but he's only slugging 280. So it's like his first week and a half in AAA. He was, he he was kicking butt. He was on fire getting on base a ton Well, he's still getting on base, but he was hitting for power. And then it seems to me like, okay, after a couple of weeks, then in triple a, there's a lot more advanced scouting and there's pitchers that know how to attack hitters. So I'm thinking that they got enough tape on the guy that they could kind of see where the weaknesses were to exploit him. And so he's been struggling the last couple of weeks. And that's, I think that's important to note. So yeah, he's been hot, but as he comes up, we do need to temper our expectations. I expect him to be real cautious at the plate. If he gets on base, he's going to run. I just, when CJ Abrams got called up to start the season, it was rough. 
And then he went back down a couple of adjustments and now he's been really good. Like everybody expected him to be when he first came up. So I, I, it's important to kind of not everybody's Fernando Tatis Jr. That comes up to the major leagues and just starts playing with their head on fire. Right. Right. And by the time you guys hear this episode, it'll all be mute because something, you know, the night has already, his first game has already happened. So whatever happened has already happened. We hope he did well. We hope he does well. Um, And I hope that they give him enough starts, you know, kind of like right where CJ Abrams is right now. Like now everyone's kind of healthy on the infield. How is he going to get consistent at bats? And how is he going to get, you know, continue to develop playing twice a week? Um, Right maybe three times a week, you know? So um, what we're seeing with Abrams is that it's a bit of a timeshare with Hassan Kim. Yeah. I think that's kind of how it's settled in. There's pretty much a straight up platoon between the two guys. Yeah. So is that where it winds up with Grisham? Is Ruiz's bats righty, Grisham's lefty? Are they going to become a, a platoon? Right. Or is he going to platoon? I'm sure he'll play all three outfield spots because he has played all out three, all three outfield spots. Thank you for speaking English. True. But okay, so now your outfield core is Grisham. Uh, what Rooker is gone. You got yeah. Nomar Mazzara, who's going to be playing pretty much every day. He's hitting yeah. well. Azokar has been doing a good job, but really he's a fourth outfielder. Yeah. Uh, and then the prospect writers, when they talk about Esturi Ruiz, his profile has always been kind of that fourth outfielder as well. So you kind of have it, it's kind of it's a mishmash right now. It, right. That's right. not it's, that's still not a, a, a yeah. top shelf outfield. So something's definitely in in the works. Something's gonna gotta gotta give. Will Myers is gonna come back soon. Oh, hey, we have we have news on the Will Myers front too. Right. Hope you guys are up in Lake Elsinore right now because he's playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, which he's is really cool. It. Which is which is fantastic for for the storm and for Will to get you know to get back you know at the plate. Yeah, for sure, and it's also good for the uh, members of the storm roster because they're probably gonna have a couple nice dinners. Nice dinners, exactly. <laughs> That's the uh, tradition. <laughs> All right. So that's the news. As we Ruiz, you know, we're about 40 minutes away from what? 30 minutes away from pitch. Uh, first pitch. We'll be podcasting all the way through probably his first two at bats. Maybe we hope not, but uh, let's get it going. Uh, let's start with, well, just recently today I, I saw, and I didn't see the email from MILB, but Marcos Castanon was, um, was a ball hitter of the week. Yes, he was. Yeah. He's been on fire. Yeah. 12 homers. I, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but somewhere I saw that again and I didn't get the email. Maybe they haven't released that information yet, but st- talking of the, uh, the next guy who's when um, player of the month is Eggy Rosario. Yeah. Eggy Rosario. He seems to have kind of turned a corner. I, yeah. I wonder what changed, but he was off to such a rough start and now, okay. So Eggy Rosario is named triple a player of the month. He batted 429, 571. 1.143 slug. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> with, with of the last six games. Okay. Uh, nine for 21, four home runs, three doubles, 13 RBIs, 10 runs scored, seven walks, four strikeouts, two stolen bases. Uh, this is a second player of the month award. Um, and then the next big news, Robert Hassel, the third was among the first four members of the national league roster for the 2022 all-star oh, futures sure. game. Yeah. So they're releasing these names in little little snippets here and there. I guess that's that's nice. That gives each player a little bit of of air to to breathe before you know bringing the next guy on. Let the spotlight fall on these guys. Um, so here are some remarks he had about the honor. Quote: "It's super exciting," Hassel said. When I found out, I started thinking about the season so far and who's helped me. 
I thought about my manager, Brian Esposito, and I can't thank him enough as well as the rest of our coaching staff and my family too for their support. Part of who I am is always being thankful, but never being satisfied, Hassel said. I really appreciate this opportunity and hope it helps me unlock even greater goals going forward. The hard work will continue. The fans have been great all season, Hassel said. I almost feel like I'm in a big league game with the crowds at Parkview Field. Yeah, we know that too at Parkview. It's a such a great ballpark, such a great fan base. And, you know, Mike Netter and his team are just phenomenal. It really, you look at that place, you're like, that's a triple A ballpark, easy. Did you see last week they had Stanley from the office in yeah. attendance and they had the <laughs> office themed uniforms. It's in the agenda. It's yeah, definitely. I got that in the agenda and it kind of ties in with the game. Um, but to, real quick to kind of finish up with Eggy, um, with Rosario, you know, you see that like it takes a minute or two who, okay. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> right. Oh my God, I, I had to, I had to, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, you know, it takes time to, to, to adjust to every league, every division you move up. It does. It takes time. And, you know, we thought Eggie Rosario, he's falling off the cliff. Where is he coming? But now he's coming back strong, even after a time when they have got the book on him. And, you know, teams have seen him plenty enough to know what kind of player he is. You know, and it seems like this year for um, Luis Camposano, where, where the average is there, and the slugging is kind of there, but the power isn't there. He's only got like six home runs. So, you know, he's not hitting as many bombs as he did last year, but the average in the slugging is there. So I, I think that's a big, that's something big to notice with, with him and with Aggie just coming on strong, even after they've had plenty of time to, to get that book out. Well, so Camposano, something I'm wondering about is if they, so we talk about how do you, how do you develop hitters in the PCL? Um, where you hit one up in the air and it goes to the moon. So I wonder if they really do have him focusing more on line drives. They're not rewarding the home runs so much. They're trying to focus because he's hitting a lot of doubles. That's where the, right. the slugging is still up because he's hitting doubles. He's getting the occasional triple. And then when he gets one up in the air, it's out. But he's really hitting a lot of line drives. Um, I would imagine that his batted ball profile looks a lot different this year than it did a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I watch a lot of him. And he's, he's still not getting cheated. <laughs> a kid, a kid swings a club uh, when he swings. So, um, and you got to ask, and you know, we'll try to move on here because we do want to kind of watch. I do want to watch that first at bat with uh, Stewie. Is um, is what are they doing now with the trade deadline coming up? Um, they keep, you know, I'm hearing Wilson Contreras or Willen Contreras from the Cubs coming, you know, as maybe potential trade acquisition. Uh, when you have this guy down in AAA, and we know that the, the, the defense has improved significantly, and the, the bat is there. Um, you know, we know the struggles that he's had with, you know, with, with maturity issues, but, like, that wouldn't stop. I mean, it couldn't possibly stop someone that is just really knocking on the door, even more so than a Matthew Batten or even a, a Estrue Ruiz, um, to get some time behind the plate. Right. And so one thing that came to mind with all of this, questions about a Ruiz. Why is he on the, the taxi squad? One thing that came to mind. So Trent Grisham has been struggling all year. Yeah. Most of last year, he wasn't the same guy that he was in 2020. Um, and now we're seeing some defensive misplays and some, you know, it's just it. What's it going to take to get him back to that level? And how right. long is the organization willing to wait? So he's still a guy with a lot of value. He's young. He's got a gold glove on the shelf. Now he's got some good performance in his, in his, in his resume. So maybe he's at the point where they're, they might consider trading him. So that's kind of what I was thinking was that right. maybe he's in trade talks and they've got a story there in case 
something happens and they need another short, another center fielder. Cause really, uh, Zokar is the only other guy on the roster that can play center field. Uh, yeah. So now, now you've got three center fielders on the, on the squad. Uh, maybe this is going to light a little bit of incentive under, uh, Grisham's, butt. like, Hey, you better pick it up or this right. kid's going to take your job or we're going to find somebody else to do it. Right. Absolutely. And just to finish up with Hassel and then we'll, we'll move on is, you know, here's the next, here's another, a, you know, a Twitter trade chip, but certainly someone that you want to keep someone that is on the rise and uh, should be in double A by the end of the season. I mean, I'm sure after the uh, futures game, they're like, pack your bags. You're leaving Fort Wayne. When you come back from the futures game, you're going to double A. Like, I, I think that might be, that's in what, two weeks now, week and a half or so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. When you can make that easy transition and then you might see a guy or two move up from like Elsinore, just kind of where everyone kind of moves around with the all-star break. I think the futures game is actually a week from yesterday. It'll be next Monday. Yeah. Um, so in our notes here, we've got Hassel leads the Midwest league in batting average hitting three Oh three. He's seventh in stolen bases with 19 and as well as seventh in RBIs with 43 ranks eight in on base percentage with 375. He's lived up to the nickname Bobby barrels as he swung and missed at only 9% of the pitches. He's seen the eighth lowest rate in the circuit defense defensively beyond showing great range. He's one of only two qualifying position players in the league who hasn't committed an error. The average age for a player in the Midwest league is about 23. So he's young for his level, but he's dominating and By all reports, he's doing everything you could ask of of the guy on and off the field as far as playing like a professional, but also acting like a professional, you know, going about his business in a professional manner off the field. Kind of reminds me of how Mackenzie Gore was when while he was going up, like you never heard anything weird, anything questionable about him. He just showed up every day ready to go to work and do his best. Yeah, absolutely. And and you kind of hear that right now, even with the struggles that you hear him saying exactly what he needs to say. He's not down on himself. He knows he needs to get better. And there's, there's still that confidence, but he knows he needs to get better. And it's going to happen. You know, the work right. ethic we know is there. And I like, gonna be there. I like the quotes that we've seen lately where he, he sees what he's doing well, but he knows that there's places he needs to improve. Right. So I, I'm sure it's easy for guys to get Homer happy and just start trying to pull everything. But he's going, no, no, this is not, that's not who I am. That's not right. who I need to be. Yeah. If I turn on the inside pitch, I can, I can put it out, but that's, you know, he gets it. He really seems yeah, to get it. Absolutely. So, so tell us want, a bit about Estuary Ruiz. Go to Jeff Sanders. <laughs> it's going to be another Estuary Ruiz show. Uh, so Jeff Sanders did a little write-up on Estuary Ruiz. Promoted the AAA last month. The right-handed hitting Ruiz hasn't slowed one bit. Hitting 333, 471, 521 in his first 24 games with a Chihuahuas. Matching four homers and going 20 for 23 in stolen attempts. Still on base attempts with 37 steals at double A San Antonio, where he hit 344, 474, 611 with nine homers to start the year. Ruby's is 57 steals. He's up to 60 now. So we will get into that a little bit later on. Our tops in professional baseball, not tops in minor leagues, not tops in the independent league, professional baseball. He has the most steals ahead of a system mate. Max Ferguson's 52 split between low single a Elsinore and single a high, a, excuse me, high a Fort Wayne. He can run. Cano said last month of Ruiz. He has power. He can field out there. He's a good outfielder. He has a lot of discipline at the plate. He works hard. The guy gets a chance. He can play it at a high level for sure. I loved it. You know, we didn't even talk about the Cano trade going on to, to Atlanta and getting two knocks in his first game. Um, I really liked the time that we had, Cano and hearing him talk about Ruiz and not be um, the manager there in, in AAA 
Sandberg. Yeah, he, has, he has no reason to blow smoke. Right. Right. And, and so when you hear somebody with his kind of experience talk about how good this kid is, you know that it's it, there's there's no agenda behind it. He's given right. you his honest his honest right. opinion. So the Padres acquired Ruiz in July of 2017 in the deal that brought Matt Strom to San Diego. He hit 350, 395, and 602 that year in rookie ball and really excited scouts with the following year in low single A when he paired 49 stolen bases with 12 homers. The one nitpick, a 28.6% strikeout rate, weighed his batting line down to 253, 324, 403. And I saw a tweet earlier this week where he had stricken out like five times in a row. So like we talked about a minute ago, there's going to be the book. There's going to be that adjustment, but he's already made the adjustments to get him this far. I'm sure he knows, and he will have to make the adjustments moving forward. Certainly. Yeah. And the Rockies might not have that book yet. Right. Absolutely. So three years later, Luis shaved his strikeout rate down to 17.2% at double A San Antonio, and it cut even down further to 16.2% uh, since moving to El Paso. You look at his numbers over his career, there was a lot of chase and a lot of swing, El Paso's manager, Jared Sandberg, said. Now you look, and he's really refined the strike zone what he's and what he's looking for. If the pitch isn't really in that area, he's not swinging. That discipline is going to carry him to the big leagues. The switch gets flipped, and the guy that's that, that's that talented, the sky's the limit. So I pulled up the uh, the minor league leaderboard, and Asturias Ruiz has 23 stolen bases in AAA. Which is fourth in in uh, in the Pacific Coast League, and he's only played what twenty eight games. Right, two weeks and, and they're at like seventy seven games on the season. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's let's see what happens. You know, once again, you guys, let's temper expectations. You know, and hopefully he gets the amount of playing time where he will be able to catch on, and the Padres get a good sense. And and, and a lot of times it doesn't really matter how well he hits, how good are those at bats. Is, is he on the pitches? Does he look, you know, kind of like when CJ comes up, um, he looked a little, he looked overwhelmed often. So um, I think the, the evaluators and the, and the organization will certainly look at that kind of stuff um, even more so than the average, because they know it takes time to get used to major league pitching. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They don't scout the box score at yeah, all. At, they, at they're all. looking at a lot of other stuff. And so, yeah. I mean, with, with, uh, with Abrams just yesterday, the, the home run that he hit, that was the sixth pitch of that at bat. And so it, he's starting to learn and he's staying within himself. Uh, Melvin's been talking about how they want him to be a little shorter and direct. He says he's short to it and long through it. That's what he and his dad always yeah. used to work at. Uh, but they've noticed that he, his, he gets a little bit long. Maybe he's reaching for the pull side a little bit more. And so now they're, they're getting him to, to stay within himself, try to go the other way. And that's what he said in that at bat, that he knew that the, uh, the sinker that the guy was throwing it, it was going to be a way. So he was going to try to take it the other way. And it just, he just happened to find a curveball that leaked yeah. in on the plate and boy, did he do the right thing with it? Yeah, he did do the right thing with it. And he also must've saw my tweet earlier that night about him swinging at the first pitch. Cause the other, his other three at bats, he swung at the first pitch at the, uh, at two of them. And then the third at bat, he swung at the second pitch. Uh huh. So, you know, and that's, you know, I really, I'm going to say this again, that's what I think he needs to do as a professional hitter, as a major league hitter. You don't go up there swinging at the first pitch. If you're Manny Machado, if you're, uh, you know, if you're another established major leaguer, sure, occasionally do that. That's fine. But when you're coming up, you need to show that you can command the strike zone and have an awareness of, you know, a good quality professional at bat. Right. Especially when you got somebody like Arania up there that was walking guys on four pitches. Exactly. Like, no, make him throw you a strike. 
So I thought this was pretty cool. I just put this in today. Um, <clears throat> El Paso is going to find is going to have their four millionth fan come through the gates sometime this weekend. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I just, just real quick. So the, the Twilers are set to hit a new attendance milestone as the fourth million fan is slated to come through the gates of Southwestern University Park. This weekend, when the Chihuahuas take on the Texas Rangers affiliate, the Round Rock Express, the series begins Tuesday the twelfth and through you know Sunday through the seventeenth. The fan is expected to come during one of those games uh, this weekend. To date, the Chihuahuas have welcomed three million nine hundred seventy-five thousand eight hundred twenty-six. I actually said that correctly. Uh, guests to the park in nine seasons. That's a lot. That's a lot. They need just twenty-four thousand one hundred seventy-four fans to reach the four million mark. It's so amazing to think that back nine years ago and now appreciate how many millions of fans have come to Southwest University Park to cheer on their apostles Chihuahuas, said Brad Taylor, Mountain Star Sports Group Senior Vice President and Chihuahuas General Manager. Many family memories have been made and shared here. We are later to celebrate that. When the fourth million fan enters the gates over the projected weekend, the lucky guest is slated to receive the following. Family four-pack of tickets to a future mutually agreed upon 2022 Chihuahuas game West Star Club passes on the respective day. PSC vouchers good for main concourse stands on the respective day. On-field photo opportunity, ceremonial last pitch, and on-field recognition. That's kind of cool. Ceremonial last pitch? The last pitch. That's a new one to me. That is new to me, right? And Chico C, uh, a Chico seat visit, which I'm sure will be. Oh, everybody for, uh, loves Chico. Right? Everyone loves Chico. And an inning on air with Tim Haggerty. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, you get yeah. to sit in the booth for it for an inning. So I wonder if they have it timed up, like if they've got the, the confetti cannon and the, right. and the lights and all that. When everybody's just walking through like no big deal, then all of a sudden, boof, and the sirens go off and all of this. You know, you would wonder <laughs> they would have to maybe pick someone like, OK, so this is where you're going to be. This I need you to go through here uh, just to kind of right to do that correctly instead of some random guy like, hey, it's. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, they're going to scout about it. It's like Price is Right, where, yeah, you're, you're sitting in the crowd, but they already know who they're going to call down. It's not <laughs> random. They've got it selected. They go, okay, that, that person, they seem like fun. We're going we're gonna to give him the prize. Right. Okay, so <laughs> um, this is another thing that the, the, uh, the Mad Friars Q&A with Jackson Wolf has, has tried to make the agenda several weeks in a row. And this was done uh, back when, Back months ago, but it just it kept getting knocked off, knocked off the agenda. Finally, did I you wanna... see they they howl when he does when he gets a strikeout? No. Yeah, I saw really? that the tin caps tweeted it out. They showed a couple yes. of kids howling in the stands when he got a yes. strikeout. Probably a couple of listeners there. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, Mad Fire's Q and A with Jackson Wolf. And the Padres selected Wolf 23 in the fourth round of the 21, uh, 2021 draft as a fourth-year junior in his post-pandemic season. Woof. He had his best season for the Mountaineers with 104 strikeouts against 37 walks for a 303, a 3.03 ERA. After the draft, he threw 15 innings in the Arizona Complex League uh, and Padres uh, for the Padres and Lake Elsinore Storm, striking out 24 against seven walks while posting a 3.0 ERA. This year, he's got 58 strikeouts in 43 innings with a 3.77 uh, ERA and a 1.12 whip. Now, those are about a month ago, so all those numbers have changed, uh, but certainly the strikeouts are there, and we'll go more to that once we get to the, once we get to the affiliate agenda. Madfires, what is your size and weight? <laughs> uh, I am six foot seven, up to 210 and trying to get to 220 pounds. He's still a lanky-looking dude out there at God, six foot I'm seven. 
I, I see six foot seven and a two twenty. I'm like, I wish I was two twenty, and I'm six foot. Oh my god! <laughs> um, when I watch you throw, it seems like you have a lot of r- really interesting pitches. Can you go over what you throw? Sure, I throw a four seam fastball slider, changeup, and a curveball. The slider and the curve were more slurvy in college, but once I got here and started working with the new pitching coordinators, I could better differentiate between those two pitches. I love hearing that right there. Yeah. That that tells me that they're looking at pitch shape, they're looking at spin axis, they're looking at mechanics, and they're they're working with the guys trying to figure out, okay, let's take what you have and how can we optimize it? And I feel like that's something that we haven't seen a whole lot of right. in years past. Right. Well, and we I'm I'm sure it happens, but we you know we've read in the past where guys are just like I wasn't even talked to. I was told to go up there and pitch what I have. Right. And um, we hear that after they after they leave. Right. You know, there's not a whole lot of discussion about that while they're here. But here he brings it up right there that, oh, hey, we took my slurve and turned it into a curveball and a slider. And now I'm yeah. more effective. Absolutely. When you say you throw a forcing fastball, you make that one pitch appear so many different ways to the batter based on your release point and adding and subtracting off it. One new thing that I'm trying to do this year with a four seamer is to throw it at the top of the zone. In doing that, the ball is going to move a little differently to the hitter's eye, and my fastball that I'm throwing down in a way to righties is going to have a little more depth and even run and take off. The really forces uh, that really forces them to adjust where they are looking for a pitch. So he's a low three quarter guy, almost yeah. a sidearm guy. So when you have that release point, and especially being six foot seven, I'm sure it looks like it's coming out of the second baseman's hip yeah. pocket. Um, but that pitch coming out of that angle and going toward the top of the zone it doesn't quite look like it rises but it's it doesn't have that downward plane that they're used to seeing off of off of other guys it holds that straight line and that's what kind of makes it look like a rising pitch right and then and then you drop the you change the grip and you've got the two seamer and it's gonna it's gonna run and and kind of dive away and down a little bit more yeah. So you had a brief taste of pro ball last year going into the offseason what was something you worked to get better at There are many moving parts. (laughs) There were many moving parts, not only with myself, but throughout the organization with a lot of development guys. So I got to meet a greater variety of pitching coordinators who had a lot of different opinions and on how you could get better. I was able to sponge up a lot of information. I think I'm very good at being open to new information and to trying to apply it to my specific set of skills. Little tidbits from all these people really helped me going into the offseason. That's excellent. What is fascinating with professional sports compared to amateur athletics is that it's incumbent on the athlete to seek ways to get better. You aren't running laps if you aren't doing something the staff expects. He laughs. In my opinion, it has to be the uh, it has to be that way, or you'll not be the success you want to. Any success that I have has been in my ability to incorporate information into how I feel and then try to make it almost subconscious. I just find myself doing it and making those adjustments based on the work that I've already done. So it's kind of like a visualization being a guy that is not throwing 99 miles an hour and blowing by the hitters. I have to do things like that. So, you know, he's talking about right there is absolutely taking the information and using it to his best of his advantage, not just, you know, trying to everything here, trying everything there, but like taking what he can kind of funneling it down and using it. To, I really like there was a specific skill set. 
Right. So I pulled up his numbers here and he's had a couple of rough outings. His last couple haven't yep. been quite as pretty. Um, so now his ERA is up to 4.68. Uh, he's made 14 starts on the season. He's got a three and five record, a 1.21 whip, which is pretty good for a starter. Yeah. Uh, he struck out 90 guys in 73 innings pitch. So that's 11 strikeouts per nine innings. That's pretty darn good. Not a whole lot of walks, probably giving up more hits than he'd like to, but it sounds like he's making some really good changes in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get more to that when we get to the affiliate rundown, because I do have one of his starts in the uh, in the affiliate rundown. And Okay, so what we did, folks, <laughs> we couldn't wait and didn't want to wait, and uh, we were running out of time, uh, so we took a break, watched the the first inning, watched uh, Esui Ruiz uh, get his first hit. Uh, congratulations! The, congratulations, Esui Ruiz. Strong single up the middle. Um, just a bummer that that he you know he you know he got to second base pretty quick on a on a ball that was hit pretty sharply to a. Uh, to shortstop to almost bring up the double, didn't bring up the double play, but you know, got to second base pretty quick. Oh, I think he he was enough of an influence on the second baseman yeah. that he had to rush the throw. The throw was high. If he if it's a clean turn, I think they get um, was that Nola that was batting behind him. Um, no, 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 grounded out. Whoever so that was, it was that yeah. was batting behind him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he was he did enough to break up the double play that they didn't get the out at first. And then Hassan Kim came up behind him and knocked uh knocked Mazzara in. Smoked another double. So but my uh, only my uh, only regret is that Mazzaro was the one on base in front of him. I, and so he had nowhere to go. I'm like, once he gets on, I want to see him go. Right. I want to see wheels. I want to see him ride like the wind. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no, it was, it was a decent at bat. He's yep. the first pitch was off the plate, kind of swinging an ugly pitch, got a piece of it though. Yeah. And then found a good pitch, drove it right up the middle. It wasn't yeah. a, a cheapy hit. It was, it nope. was a good square hit right up the middle. Yeah. Then you got, uh, you know, uh, right. So fantastic. Where we can, now we can move on. We can breathe. Uh, we can anoint as Ruiz, the new center fielder of the San Diego Padres. And full overblown mode can go into effect on Padres Twitter. Yeah, everybody go nuts and start, you know, thinking that he's the next coming of <laughs> Willie Mays or whatever. Did you yeah. see him in the uh, in the in center field? Don and Bud were talking about him, and he's out there spinning his glove. Spin his glove. <laughs> what are you doing center field to stay entertained? I had really, I could see why Tatis was saying that he was bored. Yeah, well, and that's such a huge field. I mean, God, it's a gigantic field. The ball that the Hassan Kin uh, let, let off with was hit literally to the deepest part of the field. And I, I think that's the farthest he, he has ever hit a baseball because it hit the wall, <laughs> but it hit like, at the 420 mark or just, God, it was just, it's huge out there. Right. And they've got that screen. It's like a yeah. six foot padded wall. And then there's like another six foot of screen up above it. And he hit the top half of that. Yeah. So All right. So most other ballparks that goes out. I bet you if I yeah. could find it on that, have you seen that, that Twitter account? Would yeah. it dong? Right. Where they see how many out of how many ballparks would that have been a home run? I bet you that's one of those. that's whatever the opposite of a unicorn where it would have gone out in every ballpark. But that one. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, It's funny. I always see those when they do uh, when they do the New York Yankees. And a lot of those home runs are just kind of like wall scrapers. So it's like this is the only ballpark they would have went out of everywhere else. That's out. (laughs) That's a (laughs) a warning track hit. 
Uh, so let's get down to the affiliate right now so we can get back to the rest of the game and you guys can thank you fully for listening. Uh, get on with your day. Um, starting the AZL, strike one. Fernando Sanchez spun three innings of one hit ball, walking none and striking out six. A native of Ciudad Obregón in Sonora, Mexico. I think Obregón is, um, is uh, there's, a, there's a Mexican league team there. The Tomateros, and, I want to say? Um, that's uh, that's the uh, Culiacán. Tomateros are the Culiacán. Um, but the Obregón, that's the oh, team. The that, Yaquis. Um, They're the Yaquis. The Yaquis, yeah. Where our, our beloved old second baseman played. That's uh, with the Brewers now. God, Wicho. Oh, that's right. I, I think he played with Obregón. I also think that uh, Tirso Onelis played for uh, Obregón. Okay. As well. So uh, Sanchez is back in the desert where he pitched in 2019 for a rehab assignment. The Southpaw made one start last year for the Storm, lasting two and two-thirds innings before missing the balance of the season, but has impressed in his return in 2022 with a 16-3 K to base on ball ratio and eight and two-thirds innings after over five appearances, Victor Acosta extended his hit streak to four games in his first appearance in July. The 18 year old shortstop has two hits, including a home run, and he also stole a base. His double play partner, 17 year old Rosman Verdugo, stole the show with a triple and a homer on his own. Verdugo, a January signing from Ensenada, is batting 296 with four home runs and 13 RBIs and 71 at bats. I'll say it again I am most excited about that kid. Rosman Verdugo? Absolutely. I, I think he's going to be a star. I, uh, I'm going to call it now. Uh, he's going to be my guy going forward. Like, I, I think he can move up the system fairly quickly. Uh, you know, already playing professional ball at age 16 and 17 um, in the Mexican League. So that's got to say for something. Absolutely. Uh, while we're in the desert, uh, I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite Twitter follows, Jerry Espinoza. His handle yeah. is at J Espinoza one, six, three, four. He's a photographer. Um, and he's out there all the time. Yesterday I saw he was With in the Cubs, right? So we're was... salt. It was in salt river. It was a Cubs yeah. game, but he was out in salt river and he posted this picture of the Arizona sunset sky. And there was every color of the rainbow. It was gorgeous. Apparently it was about 117 degrees. And he was on his like sixth water bottle of the day. Right. He's out there working his butt off, but he takes some amazing photos. He loves taking pictures of the Padres pro, uh, prospects. Yeah. So Jerry Espinosa, look him up. Okay. I, I so I love that. Cause he's also a Dodger fan. Like his, he got his start. I think really, really, you know, hitting the minor league guys in the Cali league for the Dodgers. You'll see him all the time. Post pictures of him with Cody Bellinger back when he was with the quakes. And ah. uh, that, that's, and that is, Fine with me. Like he does an excellent job. Uh, Mad Friars uses a lot of his photographs. Um, I think this year is the first year that he's been with MLB. Um, I, I think he, he announced that earlier this season. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, oh, nice. he's, a, he's a great follow um, for anyone that loves to watch, you know, the complex. And certainly he gets out to the Cali, Cali league uh, a lot during the season. All right. Good for him. Okay, well, moving on to strike two on Friday, shortstop Victor Acosta had his best game of the season. The 18-year-old had two singles and walked three times. He also added his third stolen base of the year. Acosta extended his hitting streak to five games in the win. During that streak, Acosta is nine for 18 with a triple. His hot stretch has raised his OPS to a season-high 802. Now, it's Arizona. These kids are teenagers. You don't see a lot of high OPSs. You, you right. see people that get on base a lot. You see some guys that'll post a high average. You don't see a lot of high slugging in the uh, in the summer league. 
Okay, so uh, Rosman Verdugo, your guy, had two hits, including a double and a triple. He is second in the league with a 613 slugging percentage. Here I am talking about how nobody slugs in the desert. <laughs> uh, and seventh in OPS with a 989 mark. Right, righty Riley Yeatman worked three scoreless innings, Yeats. allowing just two while striking out one. The 18-year-old from Adelaide has shown some potential in his pro debut, averaging more than a strikeout per inning. Uh, and we don't have it here in the notes, but I believe he got his first career win, his first professional win in that game. He did. He got his professional win. He also this week signed. So, you know, the Australian League starts, I believe, in November and lasts into February or, or deep into January. Uh, it kind of gets me over the hump in between the winter leagues and then the start of spring training. Uh, but here in America and in Southern California, those games start, you know, the night games there start at like 9 p.m. here. Um, if you get a day game, you'll occasionally get a four or five o'clock game or even a little, maybe a little bit later in the evening. But um, he's going to be playing with his hometown team, the Adelaide Giants. Um, so stoked for him to do that. Awesome. Uh, that's with the club. Normally, he's he's been playing with like the 18Us and the younger kids and kind of like their technically their, now I wouldn't say travel ball, but maybe their farm team to, to the best of my ability. Okay. You know, yeah. We're going to kind of cultivate the game and grow the game with the youth in Australia. Uh, he'll be playing with the uh, quote unquote big league club. Uh, coming this uh, coming this this winter for us and summer for them. So he posted a he he shared a, a tweet that was a really touching thing that the Adelaide Giants did. Um, apparently, somebody I, I believe it was a former player has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Yeah, and he came out to the park um, to to to, to say hello. No, to yeah. say hello okay. to a former you know somebody he was close with with the park. And seven guys on the team came out, and he got out of his wheelchair, stood there in the box, hit a ball off the tee, sat down in his wheelchair and a guy ran him around the bases. And it's like, I mean, it just tugs at your heartstrings yeah. that this guy's got a terminal cancer diagnosis. Um, and it got to go around the bases one last time. Right. That was, that was just, it's, something. it was special. It's funny. We got, that's kind of hit me right now. I did see that earlier and um, yeah, just, I, I, you know, that's such a small thing to do for organization. And it means so much to people. Um, fantastic. Congratulations, Riley. We, uh, Yeatman, uh, keep going, Ozzy. That's our boy. Uh, strike three. Juan Murillo, a 19, who the Padres have been putting in the outfield. The Cuban native has seen as a sleeper by Baseball America's Ben Baudler and is considered a plus-plus runner with some pop. He has a 415, 455, 561 slash line in 17 games and 44 plate appearances. It wasn't much, there wasn't much going on. They only play a couple of times this week. So there's not a lot going on there um, for, for the AZL. That's a good sleeper, though. Juan yeah. Murillo. Keep your eyes open for that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so moving on to Lake Elsinore. Strike one on Wednesday, James Wood is tearing up low A pitching. He's cruising up the top 100 prospect list, entering at number 100 a couple weeks ago, and now sitting at 92 and climbing. Part of that is because we're seeing some guys graduating off the yeah. list. Uh, Gore graduated off. Um, uh, CJ Abrams has accumulated enough uh, roster time that he's no longer on the list. But still, to get new guys on the list, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, real quick, so go, real quick, I'm sorry to stop you there. But also, you know, everyone talks about how the the organization, the, the farm team has kind of been drained of talent. I think we got five guys in the top 50. Yeah. Yeah. It, we, we, it, 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 Preller, one thing Preller has been outstanding at is finding talent and replenishing the stock every single year. 
through international signings, through the draft, you know, and a lot of people where nobody really saw somebody in him. He's, he's finding these, these diamonds in the rough. Okay. So Wood matched his career high with five RBIs, which he, he tied from his first game uh, in Lake Elsinore, two doubles, three runs and a stolen base. Uh, Granted the last double came off a position player pitching (laughs) happens. happens a lot in the California league. Uh, Justin Farmer has picked up where Max Ferguson left off uh, in the leadoff spot. Farmer has an OBP near 400, and he's the active leader in stolen bases with 25, but he has a long way to go to catch Max. Uh, Over the last week, Farmer is hitting 316. Third baseman Marcos Castagnon had his sixth multi-hit game over his last seven games. Left-handed pitcher Bodie Rascon had back-to-back exceptional starts. During these last two starts, he has gone 10 innings pitched, Seven hits, only one earned run, two walks, and 12 strikeouts. That would equate to a sub one whip and a sub one ERA. Nice. Absolutely. So strike two Saturday. Uh, I watched this game, and this is the game I almost I almost reached out to one of the coaches. Just It was such a crazy game. And when I watch these games, uh, I'm usually watching the big league you know, a big league club on the TV or I'm watching a movie, but I have the computer in front of me. So every time I turned around, someone was getting a hit. So Victor Lizarraga continued to roll out quality starts and got the win in five innings and three runs on six hits uh, Saturday. James Wood, 19, had now played 35 games in the Cali League with 167 plate appearances and has a slash on a 321, 437, 562 with 11 steals and 14 attempts and has struck out 28 times against 26 walks. I looked it up earlier. He has... He's scored more runs and he's driven in more runs than he has struck out so far. Yeah. And he's walked almost as many times as he's struck out. I, the guy is just doing everything you would want a 19 year old in the Cali yeah. league to, to do. Absolutely. And he's stealing bases. He's six foot seven. He's a big kid. What's the six foot seven guy doing out there stealing bases? He's rides like the wind, man. It is the it is the song of this. It's the song of the episode. Uh, anyways, in the first seven games in July, Justin Farmer has a 365 43 480 slash line. Tonight he stole three more bases to add to his total of 29, which is good enough for third in the California League. Farmer 23 signed as a minor league free agent with the Padres in 2021. Okay, so this game, like it just the, the the score was ten to seven, and and the uh, and the other can't can't remember who they were. Uh, scored some uh, some runs at the end of the game, so it was a little bit closer than I thought it was. Um, but early in the game, Carlos Luis got hit, and he threw his he threw his bat down, started headed towards the headed towards the pitcher. Oh like no, the, the catcher and the umpire, because he was just crushing the ball. He he had like three hits. He was on fire, and then he got hit, and benches cleared. No fist. It wasn't really a, a brawl, but like it got pretty heated, and he was pretty pissed. Um, he's a big dude too. I a, wouldn't want him coming at me. He he's a he's a big guy, and so he ended up getting kicked out, and then the pitcher ended up getting kicked out. <laughs> oh, I love it. Right, right. Oh, that made me okay. So. The last good brawl I've seen was at Lake Elsinore and Marcus Green Jr. Uh, was the catcher of the game. And I can't remember if he was the one behind the plate or if he was the one. No, he was behind the plate and the it was a Rockies 
they were playing the Rockies affiliate. It was Lancaster at the time. Guy gets plunked and it was on. And and Marcus Green Jr. He was like the defender. He's like the the on the hockey team. They've got the right. guy that's the, uh, the punisher, right? The, a, yeah, and that that was enforcer. Him. That's it, the enforcer. The enforcer. Yeah. So now Marcus Green Jr. He's out of affiliated baseball. He's got a beautiful little kid. He's doing his thing. Uh, but that just made me think a happy thought of Marcus Green Jr. being the enforcer on the storm. <laughs> Okay, so uh, on strike three, Sunday, the Storm put up a seven-run sixth inning to give Duncan Snyder the win in a dominating first start in the organization. The six-foot-seven righty who signed out of the American Association just last week tossed five and two-thirds scoreless frames while striking out five after making his affiliated debut with an inning of relief work earlier in the series. The 24-year-old pitched at tiny Upper Iowa University before going the independent and then partner league route last year. So the partner league, he was in the American Association, or the... Yeah, and it was... So with the affiliated uh, league, they have all of the Hawkeye or... um, What's the other technology? The track man. Um, they have the technology there so they can see the pitcher's release point. They have all the velocity, spin rate, data, movement, location. Um, and I, I feel like that gives a whole other level of depth to, to scouting to be able to find these guys. Yeah, okay. Those are all, the, the prospect, those are all the, the teams that got contracted and are now partner, either partner leagues or the summer collegiate leagues or the, the draft leagues as well. Right, right. So it's affiliated with Major League Baseball. Yeah. I, I, I wonder what the business side of it is, if there's some funding going their way, because, I mean, baseball, it's not a cheap sport to operate between yeah. all the you know maintenance and training and all this stuff. Okay, so uh, Kervin Pichardo uh, homered for the second consecutive game. The 20-year-old infielder acquired from the Yankees during spring training had only one multi-hit game through the first three months of the season, but now has two in a row and is five for 13 with three extra base hits on the month. Marcos Castagnon continued his torrid month plus with another homer Sunday. The 23-year-old infielder now has nine hits in his last 29 games with an OPS well over 1,000 in that stretch. This month, he struck out just nine times against eight walks in 42 trips to the plate. So if you're going up to Lake Elsinore to watch Will Myers on his rehab assignment, be sure to keep an eye out for Marcos Castagnon and a few of the other guys that they have up there. There's some really interesting guys playing yeah. for the Storm right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, once and they've been rolling ever since Jackson Merrill and, and Wood were out for a while, they were rolling. Those guys just picked up where they left off. And now with Wood coming back and with Jackson out with, uh, I think he's going to. He's got to pull muscles. He's going to strain something. He strain yeah, I want to say hamstring or a groin yeah. or something like that. Uh, but I saw on Instagram, he's doing he's doing infield work. He's doing, you know, he's not on the shelf. He's doing work. Right. It's just a matter of time till he comes back out of the desert, too. All right, so let's move on to Fort Wayne. Strike one Thursday on a night when actor Leslie David Barnett Baker, who played Stanley Hudson on The Office, totally goes over my... I know who he is. I saw the picture, but I was not, not an office guy. Uh, was a special guest. The tin cap center fielder Robert Hassel played like a star. The top-rated Padres prospect went three for four with two doubles, a game-time two-run homer in the eighth inning, three walks, and four RBIs. The pitch that he hit was at his neck way outside and just went, I mean, as soon as he hit it, I'm like, wow, he just hit it out. Just absolutely crushed it, and it couldn't come in a better time. Um yeah, so that's one thing. So we see a lot of batters that they've got a, a stroke and it seems like it's grooved. Like they hit a lot of balls off the tee. They hit a lot of balls off the batting machine, uh, the pitching machine. And so like there's this little zone where they've got their spot. Yeah. 
And then you see guys like Hassel and Asturio Ruiz who have the plate coverage that you you throw one a couple balls off the plate and they can still right. reach out there and barrel it. That's not something guys practice in the cage. That that's something that comes they from have. just game and and back lots experience. You know, playing dirt out, playing you know on the sand lot. Right, absolutely. And with with Hassel, the the big question is. They have to work with him going pole side. He is, I mean, he completely lives in the opposite field, hitting the home runs, you know, getting his singles. They really, I mean, just something that I see that once he gets to a higher level, like a lot of those balls are going to be caught in the outfield. A lot of those balls are going to be pop flies. Um, they really, I think they're going to, his next kind of project is to get him to pull more pole side. That's kind of the opposite that you hear from a lot of guys though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, everybody's hit opposite field, right? Yeah, everybody's pull heavy and like, okay, let's get him to go the other way and stay within himself. All right, so designated hitter Jack Stronach delivered an RBS single while Kerner added two run single, and shortstop Max Ferguson provided a sack fly to set things up for Hassel's heroics. Strike two on Saturday, the Tin Caps swept the doubleheader and did it without RH three, who sat out due to soreness. In the first game, Fort Wayne was an out away from being shut out when Corey Rogers. Single put runners on first and third, and Jared Dale's single moved them within a run. Rozier scored on a pass ball to tie the game. Then Matthew Acosta's bases loaded walk in the eighth inning gave the home team the win in the opener. This is a, a scheduled doubleheader, so it was a seven-inning game. Yeah. Uh, the nightcap game saw Robert Gasser carve up the captain's lineup with 10 strikeouts. Uh, in his last six starts, he's given up six earned runs, and in four of the outings, he hasn't given up a run. Uh, in his last two starts, he has 15 strikeouts in 12 innings against four walks and has given up a pair of runs. So there was a you know, a bad outing or two in there, yeah. but overall he's been outstanding. Catcher Brandon Valenzuela leads the Midwest league with 20 runners thrown out. Ryan Berger didn't get the win in the nightcap, but had a strong bounce back from his last start when he gave up nine earned runs in two and a third innings tonight, 55 of his 88 pitches were for strikes with four strikeouts. Well, and you're going to see that in these lower levels and even in the higher levels, you're going to see God, I, that kind of sounded like Sweeney there. <laughs> Well, you're just going to see it guys to your point, you know, to to my point is, is like, you're going to see these guys have absolutely crappy outings. Like they're still learning how to pitch. They're not going to have it. They're still learning how to pitch when they don't have everything that they have. They're going to have, that's why they call it, you know, it's the minor leagues in development where you have these absolutely cruddy outings where you give up six or seven runs and you don't make it out of the second inning Uh, to the next game. You, you know, you have 10 strikeouts, you make it deep into the sixth. Um, you know, there's that's just the inconsistency of guys in the lower levels learning how to pitch, learning how to do what they need to do to get guys out, you know, even when they don't have the good stuff. Right. We've seen a couple of games this year where you Darvish went out and looked rough in the first yeah. inning, and then he's able to make an adjustment and cruise for the next five plus innings. Yeah. That's hard to do. So what do you do when you go out there and something's not working or when you, the other team jumps, you know, gets the jump on you and right. you have a bad inning. And then how do you reset and figure out how to get back on the rails? Absolutely. Okay. So on strike three Sunday, Jackson Wolf <laughs> mastered eight of the captain's hitters over six and a third innings of work, but Jonathan Rodriguez got to him for a pair of solo <laughs> homers. And then the guardians got to Gabe Morales in relief and managed to split the series. 
Wolf working into the seventh inning for the second time in his career, struck out seven and didn't give up a hit to any other Lake County batter. What kind of bad luck is it? One guy's got your number. Right. <laughs> Uh, after allowing just one homer over his first 43 innings of the year, the lefty has surrendered eight in the last 30 frames. The Ohio native continues to rank among league leaders with 30 strikeouts in 73 innings, and his 4.68 ERA is still tracking almost a full run above his FIP, indicating his underlying work has been a bit stronger than the results so far. So FIP, fielding, independent pitching, it looks at strikeouts, walks, home runs. Um, it kind of takes the defense out of the equation. Right. Um, and I don't know, I, I've always wondered whether that kind of works better for fly ball pitchers versus ground ball pitchers is ground ball. Ground ball pitchers aren't the guys that get a lot of strikeouts. Jackson Wolf so far, he's been that guy. He gets strikeouts and because of his, his like three quarters sidearm, right. He gets a lot of fly balls for whatever reason. So the catcher, Jonathan Villar connected for his first professional Homer to get the 10 caps on the board. Congratulations, Jonathan Villar. Absolutely. So moving on to San Antonio, while I watch Estuary Ruiz uh, second at bat, <laughs> strike one Thursday with a terrific performance from Reggie Lawson. Like it, it is amazing how much he has turned it around these last what five starts. Um, it, it, he's just he's a different guy from the beginning of the season to where he is now, and you can almost say that he is fully back and back on track um, to where we hope he was going. You know, to where he was when he had the surgery. So the Flying Chocolates had a chance to end their losing streak on Thursday night. After taking an early 1-0 lead, the Frisco Rough Riders tied the game in the fourth. Uh, in the fourth, From there, it was back-to-back, back-and-forth battle that came to the end in the bottom of the ninth inning. After loading the bases, Connor Hollis was hit by a pitch to score the game-winning run. So one game was, was you know, walk-off walk. This game with the San Antonio Missions was a walk-off hit by a pitch. And it's Go funny because like I saw both those like when when Acosta walked to first base like then everyone just ran to first base like like he did you know he he got the walk but it's like they still treated like a celebration there was still powder everywhere and water <laughs> everywhere and tearing of the jersey same thing with this like he, when he got hit he had to jog to first base as soon as he got to first base everyone was already out there chasing him treating it like an absolute stud love it love it have fun out there yeah. Uh, after looking at the bases, Connor Hollis was hit by a pitch to score the game-winning run. San Antonio wins the final score two to one. After dominating in the month of June, four zero one point three one point three seven ERA and five starts, he continued his hot streak on Thursday night. Through the first three innings of play, Lawson allowed one base hit while striking out two batters. The 16th-rate prospect, Padres prospect, finished the night after pitching seven innings. He allowed just one run on three hits while striking out four batters. He also failed to he also failed to allow a base on balls. Huge. For Lawson, this was his sixth consecutive start, allowing one run or fewer, dating back to June 7th. And so that start on June 7th, he pitched five innings. The, the outing before that, it was two and two-thirds innings, uh, six earned runs. Since then, he's got at least four and two thirds innings in every game, has given up no more than one run in every game. Um, it's like the, the calendar flipped over to June and a whole new guy came out and he's just been outstanding ever since. You know, and maybe maybe in those first few starts, like, hey, just get the ball over the plate, just pitch, just throw, you know, just get comfortable with being back on the mound. And I'm sure, and you hear this a lot with guys with Tommy John, is they, 
you know, they're, they're still afraid, even though they've threw tons of bullpens and tons of batting practice and, you know, had live, you know, thrown live pitching at hundred percent. It doesn't match to game time, game speed pitching. Right. Especially with the breaking stuff, being able to trust to let that, let it eat, let that yeah. release happen. Uh, on strike two on Friday, the missions trailed four to one heading into the ninth before scoring three times, tying the game on an RBI single from Tirso Ornelas. When the game went to extra innings, each club scored a run in the 10th and 11th before the Rough Riders plated four in the 12th inning. Domingo Leba supplied one of the runs in the ninth, coming in courtesy of his eighth homer of the season. Leba had three hits, finishing a triple shy of the cycle. Jorge Onya singled twice and drove in a run. It was a bullpen game, and Moises Lugo ate up three of those innings. He didn't allow a hit, but he walked three batters while also punching out three. Among pitchers in the Texas League with at least 30 innings pitched, Lugo has the sixth highest strikeout rate at 32.7% and the 11th highest walk rate. So that's good to have all the strikeouts. You don't want all those walks. Right. Uh, Kevin Copps pitched a scoreless frame, allowing a hit and notching a strikeout. So Kevin Copps, he's something that every, a lot of people were expecting him to just rock it up and maybe right. make an MLB appearance. He struggled a little bit this year, uh, but it sounds like his last few outings have been getting a little bit better. So maybe he's you know, getting things back on track, making some adjustments. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, dude, it's doubling. It's tough. It's hard. It's the Texas league. The ball flies out. So, you know, if you're not pitching with confidence, um, you know, you can get derailed pretty quickly. So learning the mental side of this game, I think, is, it goes a long way with a lot of players and particularly uh, with pitchers. You know, there's just, it's such a hard game and you come in with so much success and then not kind of find it in your, prof, you know, in your professional, in your first professional season, uh, it can be, it can be a little taxing on the, on the psyche. So you're right. Let's hope he's putting it together and he continues to get better. Like the hope that he was going to make the, the, the squad, <laughs> look, the same year that they drafted him, I thought was a little bit of an overreach, even though he was the golden spikes winner and had, you know, all this fanfare coming into his professional career. Um, the reality is that professional baseball is very, very hard. And so there's one thing that I'm curious, and I want to, when you get a, a college pitcher, former college pitcher, recent former college pitcher on the line, I want to know if they tell a difference between the ball itself. Right. Um, is the NCAA ball, does it have a different amount of tack to it? Does it, is the cover a little bit, is it softer? Does it have more give? So you have a little bit better grip. Are the seams higher? Uh, because his slider cutter slider whatever you want to call it he's got a couple of different variations and they were like frisbee type motion right. in in college um and so i'm wondering if he's had a hard time getting the consistent grip the consistent motion the consistent reliefs coming out of his hands to be able to command those pitches uh, so i looked him up his last uh five games he's thrown seven innings um he's only given up one earned run yeah. uh six strikeouts against four walks for a 1.29 era so the last five games He's been he's been a much better pitcher. Absolutely. So strike three Sunday, Nolan Watson and three relievers combined on a three hit shutout while the missions offense jumped second overall draft pick Jack Leiter, Leiter uh, for six earned runs in the first inning. Jack Leiter was I'm, I thought he was supposed to already be in the major leagues like this kid was highly touted. Really good pitcher. I believe he pitched out of Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. um, Al Leiter's son. Yeah, I think his nephew. Oh, OK. I think it's, I think it's his nephew, um, but still he's got the DNA. Absolutely. And you know, he, 
when you can light up that guy, <laughs> you're doing something right. So well, originally- it's, it's not just the DNA. It's all the, it's, it's access to stuff. Like right. we saw Ruben Niebla. I mean, he shows videos of his kid and you Darvish, his son was out there pitching in front of Ruben, you know, getting advice from a major league pitching coach, yeah. you know, access to, to training and coaching and this stuff. So it's not just, yeah, the, the genetics is there from, you know, dad. And I'm sure mom was an athlete too, but it's, it's growing up around the game and all the support that they have around them that, that it's, it's almost an unfair advantage. Yeah. Originally a first round pick of the Royals back in 2015, the Indianapolis native signed as a minor league free agent this winter. That's Nolan Watson. Mm-hmm. Yorman Rodriguez got the second, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Yorman Rodriguez got the scoring started with an RBI double in the first Then came around when Tisha Ronellis jumped on an 0-1 fastball for a three-run homer to right. Rodriguez went on to add two more singles in the game and now has an OPS of 742 on the year. Ornelas later doubled in two more runs to set a career high of five RBIs in the game. And in the first month, month and a half of the season, Tirsa was never found in our agenda because he just wasn't doing that much. And recently, him and Jorge Ona have really turned a corner this past month, this past month, um, and has really come on strong. And that's really good because we have high hopes. And, you know, Ornelas and certainly Jorge Ona, Onya was, um, though both those guys were highly touted, high expectations, and, you know, kind of struggled at the beginning of the season here. So it's good to see both those guys coming back. Right. I like seeing, uh, um, I like seeing Ornelas starting to hit for a little bit of power. Yeah. We're starting to see the home runs, the doubles come a little bit more often rather than just singles. So moving on to El Paso on Wednesday, knuckleballer Matt Waldron got through the first two innings unscathed, but then gave up five in the third inning and couldn't get out of the fifth. He gave way with one out and the bases loaded, uh, but all three runs came around and were charged to him. He walked a season high four batters and four of the six hits he surrendered were for extra bases. Um, Eggy Rosario hit his fifth home run in the last seven games. Rosario has an OPS approaching two over the last week. In five July games alone, Rosario has six extra base hits, 10 RBIs, and six walks. He's up to 271, 363, 495 in 2022. Again, this is after an awful start to the season. Yeah. His batting average and OBP are right in line with his career average, but his sudden power output over the last few weeks has seen a dramatic increase. Luis Camposano had a pair of hits, his first hits in a week. Camposano spent most of the last week on the big league taxi squad in case Jorge Alfaro's knee uh, required a stint on the injured list. So, Eggy um, Rosario, he stayed in in uh, El Paso. They called Matt Batten up. Matt Batten wasn't on the 40-man roster. They had to make a transaction to add him to put him on the roster. So, I, I always find it interesting when somebody gets kind of leapfrogged like that. Right. I guess Matt Batten can play some outfield and he's been playing some outfield. He even pitched an inning. Uh, so I, I, you know, there's always a lot more to the equation on when somebody gets the call. Um, but Aggie was off to such a slow start and maybe this is the kind of uh, the kind of turnaround that he needed to get some attention. Right. Absolutely. And to go back to the, the Matt Waldron, I've watched both his starts and it's triple a, like moving up from double A to triple a, it's a different beast. Like I, I watched him just carve up guys one inning. And then the next inning it's, you know, it's 75, even though it's 75 and knuckling, it's just right, right where they're just sitting back, timing it and they're hitting the ball hard. So, you know, he's going to have to learn. And it might even take a little while for him to, to kind of learn how to pitch in triple a to even more advanced hitting. Um, 
control with that knuckleball as much as you can say control with the knuckleball uh, has got to be has got to be better because certainly when he throws it over the plate, it is hit very far. Nice, nice play there. You got the game going on too. Yeah, I got the game going on. <laughs> um, we both we both put our hands up like, yeah, good catch. Um, so you you know you guys give Matt Waldron some time. Uh, he's not going to go up to the big leagues this year. He 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 might sniff something up next year, but allow the knuckleball a little more time than normal uh, to kind of get his bearings uh, with the advanced battering. Uh, and, you know, it's the PCL, too. So, I mean, as soon as you hit the ball, it just flies. Right, for sure. Okay, so strike two on Thursday. Ryan Weathers matched his season high by pitching seven innings, and he didn't allow a hit until the bottom of the fifth. Weathers ended the first five innings with a strikeout. He scattered nine hits to only allow three runs in the game. And only three, I mean, it's a scoring league. Yeah. So, that's you You really can't look at ERA. In, uh, that's, I have a hard time looking at what guys are doing in AAA and trying to figure out, okay, if they call Nomar Mazzara up, he's been hitting the cover off the ball, but right. what's that going to translate to? And then they call up Ryan Weathers or Reese Kinnear. And then I look at the stat line and I just, I cringe. Cause it's like, man, the guy's got an ERA, like almost at six, what's he going to do? And then both of those guys have done pretty well in their times that they've been up. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I love hearing the rehabber news. Okay. Adrian Morahone struck out all three batters he faced in a one inning MLB injury rehab outing with an 11 to two strikeout to walk ratio and one hit allowed in eight innings between San Antonio and El Paso. Morahone's rehab journey has shown he's probably learned all that he can in the minor leagues. Fellow Cuban Michelle Baez has joined the Chihuahuas to continue his rehabbing. And since then, Morahone has joined the Padres now that they've yeah. gone out on the road to, to Colorado. He's in Denver with the Padres on the taxi squad. Now, now to go back to Ryan, like I, I some of when he got drafted, you know, some of those evaluators said he is eventually, because of the stuff that he has, is eventually going to be in the bullpen. I wouldn't be surprised if that eventually becomes what he does. Maybe uh, you know, maybe a seventh or eighth inning guy where he kind of stretches out. Um, but you know, they keep these guys starters as long as possible. And certainly there is some value there for him being a starter, but uh, don't be surprised if, you know, cause after the fifth inning, after the second time through the, through the batting order, you know, and I know it's the Pacific coast league, but it seems to be a, an issue. So maybe that's pitch selection. Maybe that's sequencing with, with him. Um, you, you know, we don't, we don't know, but particularly with Adrian Morahone, once again, a guy that is stretched out to be a starter, He's probably going to pitch one or two innings. I threw it out there on Twitter, and this is an incredibly hot take, that why not make him the closer? Why not eventually see what he can do as a starter? Then as we get him into the bullpen, you know, then he becomes a, a high leverage seventh, eighth inning guy, if not the closer. He has the stuff. He has the strikeout stuff. He has the 98. He has a devastating curveball and the filthy changeup. So I know that's kind of a hot take, and I'm kind of all over the board there, but I certainly think Adrian Morahone, if he doesn't stick as a starter, which he probably will, um, you could probably lock him in as a closer. Well, this year he's he's pegged as a as a reliever. Yeah. Um, you know, if they're going to stretch him out, they're going to stretch him out starting off the season. Um, so maybe next year will be his season starting. Uh, but Ryan Weathers, so he's a lefty. He doesn't throw hard, and his stuff isn't like wipeout dominating stuff. Right. He's got good movement. His problem that, that I've seen so far is that when he misses, he's missing out over the plate. And so you look at the Padres active roster and you got Sean Manaya, who's a lefty, doesn't throw hard. His stuff doesn't have the, the wipeout, you know, 
blow him away kind of stuff. Right. But when he keeps his pitches off the middle of the zone, he can be very effective. Um, and so I, I feel like that's what Ryan Weathers kind of needs to, to learn. Easy for me to say here from my armchair. Right, yeah, right. I, no, absolutely. I, I have no idea how you do something like that, how you learn how to miss away from the middle of the zone. But there are guys that make a career doing that. I mean, heck, Jamie Moyer, I don't think he ever threw a ball 90 miles an hour in his life. And he was in the major <laughs> leagues for like 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes time to learn that kind of stuff, you know, and it and it really has to do with, you know, what the organization wants to do with him. For sure. So we'll see. So strike three and finally Friday, um, you know, I'm sorry, Kevin, but your 90s hip hop reference that I went right over my head. What? Uh, the, I got the, five on it. Do, do, see, do, you're do. younger. I don't know. What is that? So explain. It's it's a song. It's Looney's. And it's um, it, it may have something to do with something you may have done in your distant past uh, that will keep off the podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that should have came with an explicit warning. No, no, no. It just means that you have an you have an investment in a in a pending purchase. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, the the Chihuahuas hit five home runs in this game in a route of the uh, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Um, Cal Martin, Luis Libertaro uh, hit Jacks. Robinson Cano had four hits, including his third homer. Uh, that's a mute point. Now that he plays for Atlanta, he has certainly found his stroke and benefiting from the Pacific Coast League to the tune of a three thirty three, three seventy five. 479 slash line. So, you know, he didn't have it out of spring training with, uh, with the Padres when he was playing with the major league club, um, got with the Mets, with the, with the Mets. But when we picked him up, uh, certainly hadn't found a stroke, but you go down to the Pacific coast league and there's a way where, you know, a veteran hitter can find a stroke and get that confidence back, uh, in the Pacific coast league. And he had found it. Okay. So do you think that that's something that might work for anybody on the Padres roster? Um, it, it could, um, it could, but you know, you have to have the mindset to, to, to want to do that. You're going to have to want to take that demotion and use it for a tool of getting better. Not like, Oh, I'm knocked down and I'm just going to piss and moan. Um, okay. He went down there certainly to, I mean, he was out of baseball for what, two or three weeks. We, everyone yeah. kind of forgot about him. We're kind of waiting for the, you know, the Instagram kind of the Instagram. I retire thing, but we signed him to a triple a, a deal. And, you know, what what prestige value is is a guy like that on your AAA club, right? That's, you don't need prestige value on a loving MLB uh, on an MLB team, certainly not. But having a guy like that down at AAA, showing him what you know, and showing the humility of someone that you know might be Hall of Fame worthy, but certainly will be uh, you know considered. I think uh, as a second baseman, um, although the uh, the, the the performance enhancing, uh, you know, the knock on him taking performance enhancing drugs a couple times, you know, is probably going to just quell any of that. But is certainly a very good ball player, right? Going you don't see and- you don't see players of that stature accepting an assignment to AAA or signing even right. signing a minor league contract, right? And, and another guy that went down there, uh, Carpenter, Chris Carpenter, uh, went down there. You know, he'd gotten DFA'd by I think St. Not St. Louis. He got traded from St. Louis, but it wasn't signed with them. I can't remember who he's with. Get you're talking DFA'd. about Matt Carpenter? You're talking about Matt, Matt Carpenter. Yeah, Matt Carpenter. I'm sorry. Yeah, second baseman, um, third baseman. Yeah. Way off on a tangent here. But he's now hit like six home runs for the Yankees and is just yeah. mashing. And it's, so with, with Cano, 
by all reports, when he was down there in, in El Paso, he was the best teammate. He was always in good spirits. He was there, you know, working with everybody, kind of sharing what he knew. Kind of the same thing that we saw in the dugout here in, in San Diego that yeah. Zokar was, was talking about, how much he was learning from him. And, you know, here's the guy that's on the end of the roster. And why does 20-year-old veteran need to spend any time talking to him, sharing right. any information? But he was given the advanced scouting reports on the pitchers and all this stuff to these guys. Uh, it's yeah, it kind of changed my opinion. I didn't know a whole lot about Robinson Cano, right? Right. Um, but I, you know, I learned to appreciate the guy a fair amount just in his short time here with the Padres. So let's finish up there. So the catcher Luis Camposano, although on the Padres roster, he's down as a DH, not a catcher. I think that's a technicality. Now, the more that I think about it, like they have Asturias Ruiz listed as an infielder when they called him up and said, Padres select the contract of to be second baseman Asturias right, Ruiz. Right. And it said that first baseman Will Myers was sent on a rehab assignment. To, uh, I, I, I feel like it's just some some box that they check at some point that doesn't okay. really mean anything. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I'm trying not to read too much of that because right. Camposano. Yeah, he's listed as a DH on there, but he's been catching. Like he'd caught, yeah. I think two days before he, he, he started the game of catcher. Yeah. So he had a pair of hits, including his sixth homer of 2022. The top prospect has connected on two homers in his last four games after going on a five week stretch in which he did not connect on a big fly. The bat to ball skills have been there all year for the talented catcher. He's hit at least 300 every month this year. Uh, he slugged 427 in June and that number was popped up by a hot stretch during the last few days. Michelle Baez put up a scoreless inning in his AAA debut. He didn't allow a base runner and struck out a batter. The 26-year-old has a 1.98 ERA in 18 games, most of which uh, came up with the missions. Uh, Did I see that right? His AAA debut? Yeah. He'd never pitched in AAA up until this point. Nope. Wow. He went from AA to the big leagues. Yeah, and then with the injury and the rehab and bouncing around on all this, I figured he'd pass through El Paso at some point. No, not once. Okay. They, don't the, they, you know, they don't want the top guys going through AAA unless they have to. And apparently with the rehab stuff, you're going to have to. I guess so, because they're all there. Yeah. So speaking of which, Jose Castillo tossed a scoreless inning of his own. He allowed a hit and struck out a pair. The scoreless outing lowered Castillo's AAA ERA to a sparkling .92. And when is he going to get a chance? Right. So like, Taylor Scott, they they selected the con the contract of Taylor Scott from South Africa. We talked to him about him before the season, uh, and he came up and did a pretty darn good job picking up the the load after Mackenzie Gore had a not very good outing. Right. Uh, what was that last Sunday? Um, but you, it's like okay, you're going to select the contract of this guy and bring him up to the majors. Meanwhile, you've got those guys that we know they have electric stuff. And people are itching. The the bullpen has been struggling, especially at the back end. It's we've had too many games that have just been leaked away by the by the bullpen. And, and then you see these guys just getting kind of passed up. Yeah, again, I know there's got to be a good reason for it. Right. I think I heard something about Castillo that they want him to be able to pitch on back-to-back -back days. But man. I've just, I remember how good he was the last time we saw him. I remember the last strikeout was just this filthy slider strikes out the inning. And then you see him, he's kind of, he kind of looking at his finger, like something's not right. I'm like, Oh man. Well, and you know, and, and with all the, the struggles with the bullpen and, and, you know, Taylor Rogers, they're still doing really well. We still have the fourth best record in the national league. So you add these guys later on in the season, um, and you're just going to get better. But I, I agree with you. Like they might need to come up just to kind of get their feet wet and kind of make that adjustment to the major league 
to the major leagues again. Right. And another thing. So unfortunately, somebody like Taylor Scott, he could be one of these guys that kind of turn and burn. And right. it's it, it, like we, we saw Ty, Kyle Tyler ride the, the carousel of DFA, get called up DFA, called up DFA. It's like, man, that's just that's brutal. But unfortunately, that's a part of Major League Baseball. So maybe you call a Matt Batten up instead of Eggy Rosario, because if the time comes that somebody has to go on the chopping block, you're, you know, it, it's a matter of who, who do you really, right. You're not burning your 23 year old, a hot top prospect. And you're, you're, unfortunately you're, you know, you're letting down a, a guy who's certainly done well for the organization was drafted by the organization. Um, but you know, the, the, they see the future of him probably with another team. Like I, I see as little as Matt Batten has played. I certainly see either he resigning a minor league deal with the Padres are certainly getting a minor league deal with another team and playing in the major leagues next year. Like right, and he's, he's good enough to play in the major leagues. We're also in the 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 trade deadline warm up right. kind of time, and so we could be seeing some guys getting some some showcasing opportunities. You know, yeah. bring them up, show what they can do. Now, Matt Batten, you'll probably see him play four or five different positions, come off the bench, ice cold, come in and have a good quality at bat. These are the kinds of things that add value. Um, you know, so yeah, lighting up the the stat lines in AAA is one thing, but, but to be able to come up and perform, you know, in, in the weird situations that a utility guy gets called up on, you know, there that that definitely is showing some value. So I wonder if there's some of that going on too. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he's Matt. Matt's still with the team, so he's you know in the dugout, and we'll go from there. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at SG Donovan. <laughs> I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. Till then, ride like the wind. Ride like the wind.